Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening, thanks for tuning in, thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. And today, we continue a conversation in the beverage space. I'm so excited to introduce you to a new, really great friend of mine. How can I be? I guess, could that be even possible? A new, really great friend? A new, potentially really great <laughs> friend of mine, Taylor Foxman. Taylor, it's awesome having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I don't know if that makes sense. A new, your new friend and it does. great. I, I mean, like you're anyway. Yeah, I'm totally confused, but I'm so excited to be here. I call people new. You're I like call my people best friend. New. Oh, I'm already your. I don't know. Best I do friend. say I that a lot. Today. Like. <laughs> Totally. I, I mean, we're, we're not even into the podcast yet. It's crazy. Um, we didn't even start yet, and you're already. We're I'm like already all over friends. the place. Yeah, really I do have start. shiny. Ob- <laughs> I, have, I have like shiny object syndrome sometimes. You know, all over the place. Okay. Um. So Taylor, it's so great having you with me. In fact, you listened in earlier today on one of the other podcasts with one of your, one of your other partners, um, the Goat Rodeo Capital um, Company. You guys just heard that podcast uh, episode, and and so uh, Taylor um, is, is really close with that group, and actually um, you're going to love our conversation today as we talk about the beverage space and um, a really cool concept that she's launched um, all around it. So um, let's do this. So Taylor, talk about your background and how you even got connected in this space um, and, and what's, what's, what's made it interesting for you. So I started actually in beverage somewhat accidentally. I, I was in college. I went to a college in Boston. I went to Boston BU, University. That's right. And BU. Or, you know, people have their <laughs> thoughts about yeah, Boston University. But I, look, I didn't have a campus, but I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And so my family, my dad, my uncle, my aunt, they all went actually right from high school to the seven-year med program there. So they were wow. all virtually Doogie Housers. And... I went there and decided not to follow suit in the medical profession arena. And uh, I actually started working for um, a PR agency based in Boston. They're a fantastic agency called Regan Communications. And as part of that work doing PR, I actually was able to start interning actually for Svetka Vodka. Oh, wow. So through college, the running joke, yeah. So the running <laughs> joke I always say is that I was paid in flavored liquor bottles. <laughs> Everyone loved um, you and wanted to be your best friend. Which made me pretty popular <laughs> I back was going to say. Right, Not exactly. surprised. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so that was kind of, that was honestly the first kind of foray into the space. And it was interesting because I'd been working. I was also interning for, I was doing some work for Todd English, who's a pretty well-known chef, um, some movie premieres, and kind of just hit me. I was like, how is this a thing? And can I actually focus on on this meaning communication but with a real specific focus on food and beverage and that was really just the beginning and then you know following college i was supposed to go to usc university of southern california um the annenberg school of communication for my master's but virtually got a call from the Jameson team, I worked with Pernod Ricard starting from 2010. Right. I called um, it per- just on, to, on the PR I, agency side. I have to tell right. our listeners, I actually called it Pernod Ricard. I know, total fail <laughs> on my part. Before we hit record, I, no. I just wanted to come clean with that. But Pernod, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> hey, please, I'm not French. I, I have, I'm from South Jersey, so I barely know how to, Pernod Ricard. How to pronounce it myself. Pernod Ricard. But pretty awesome. Um, I mean, yeah, I read some great really things about you there. It. 
And that's a cool. So, oh, yeah. So that was the beginning. That's so amazing. So it's interesting. I haven't had, um, believe it or not, 225 plus episodes. I don't know that I've had someone on with the PR background. In fact, most of the time when I'm talking to the PR and communications person, it's for the guest, right? Who's reaching out and saying, hey, I'd like for you to have so-and-so on the show. Um, and so it's really cool that you're here and we're going to talk beverage in just a moment, but let's, let, I just want to dig a little bit into, you know, I know your, your Boston University undergrad was in the PR space and hence why you decided to get into it. But uh, you know, for those that are listening that maybe didn't come up through that space, like how do you successfully get into it and make a career in it? Right. So I think the, the the big primary thing would be, you know, the the idea around is it important to go to a good undergraduate school or graduate program or whatever it may be, or is it more important to focus on relationships and internships? Interesting. And I'm a huge proponent of the importance of forging really meaningful relationships with key people and and really not only forging those relationships but maintaining them and and that really to me is such a differentiating factor uh, when it comes to finding a job and really being able to to rise up in a career um, you know there is something to be said for a prestigious school or a really beautiful resume on a PDF but at the end of the day you know unless you have those relationships sometimes you're just you're just a number or you're just an application Absolutely. and making those inroads and really showing what you're worth through, you know, really strong internship background. It makes all the difference. So I, I, you know, from a managerial perspective, I tend to look at who people, you know, the, whether it be the, the internships that they've done or the results that they've had or the connections that they've made um, versus just a title or a um, college background. I love that. I love that. And yeah. I totally agree. In fact, you know, over over the last year or two, we've had a couple of guests on to talk about the value of relationships and the importance of that. And I just I, I, I mean, we've reinforced it so many times. And then to, mm. to see how you've leveraged that not only to grow in your career, but even like how uh, you, you reached out to us uh, to do the podcast and, and some of the things that you shared in terms of the people you're working with and how you approached it was like a total different. Like It just made a big difference. And um, and it works. So just lesson learned for those that are listening. Um, I want to get to so great background kind of around the space, in the space, um, and all around communications and, and PR and the brand piece as well. Um, and you decide that you're going to start this, I'll, I'll call it business, um, called, the, <laughs> right? It's called the Industry right. Collective. And I, I, when I saw this, I was like, how do I sign up? Because when I read about <laughs> it, I was like, I'll read this for you guys that are listening. Uh, the Industry Collective is comprised of many of the world's top experts across the wide beverage sector that have come together to shape the future of the industry. And I was like, where's the sign up button? You know, <laughs> I was like, this is so cool. Um, so talk Thank about you. this idea and how this even got started for you. Absolutely. And hey, you're already, you're part of the collective I'm in. officially tonight. Right. You're in, you are in. Um, yeah. The idea really transpired having been on all sides of this industry. I come from the PR agency background, and then I moved in-house, and now I'm kind of doing my own entrepreneurial endeavor. Totally. And the initial idea, talking about relationships, to be honest, this all came to be because of the fact that I, I really have tried so hard to foster these interesting relationships with people that are such notable movers and shakers, not only in beverage, but you know specifically given what I do, it was important that I make really strong relationships with key writers and key bartenders and influencers <laughs> sure. in the space, I mean, by default. 
So the, the idea came to be because I've worked across, as I said, all these different size brands on the drink and the beverage side. And you have all these experts that, again, range from you know book authors to sommeliers to trade advocates to beer sea surrounds. And I saw two kind of void opportunity, two void areas that were opportunistic, sure. however you want to word it. Apologies yeah. there. Um, one being there was no real strategic way in which companies worked with these experts. They would reach out to them, whether it be on Instagram or on Twitter, totally. or find their email from some random website. So think about that dynamic where you have, whether it be a small company or big company, but you have all these experts, but there's no real strategic systematic way that these experts were working with these companies. And I also think there was such an opportunity area also to be even more collaborative and be even more strategic in the way in which these beverage experts worked with, you know, companies across the board, whether it be CPG totally. or tech or food and beverage. The other side of it was that there wasn't really a forum for them to connect. Wow. Like there are different associations there in, are. In, the <laughs> in the drinks industry, but you know, some of them are a little bit more hierarchical than others, which is okay. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But my whole intent was really to not only bring these people together to work with brands, but to be able to work with one another, you know, in a, in a refreshing way where they can, as members, you know, ideate and collaborate and come up with ideas together. And until I created this idea, there just wasn't really a platform for that. I totally agree. In fact, I've, for uh, you know, for years, I've been involved with the consumer products industry, and and, to, and beverage would be a, a segment of that. Let's just call it. And even then, you know, it's hard to find like-minded you know, industry professionals just focused on like the food and beverage space, or even beverage, right? And so, right. Um, like when I saw this again, I thought, wow, what a cool environment. The other thing that you hit on that I think is so key is a lot of those big industry organizations focus on big brands. Not the small upstart mm -hmm. brands, not the entrepreneurial brands, because they're trying to bring in sponsorship dollars from the big technology companies or other that are focused on those big brands. So it leaves out the little guys or the guys that are the up and comers. And so I thought, Correct. wow, what a cool idea that you got here in terms of a platform. Correct. And then even the experts, too. I mean, just one additional thing to note is that I really wanted to also shine light on who I saw were talent and some of them were the more obvious talent. Like if you go on our website, you'll find very well-known established people in the drink space. Sure. But simultaneously, you'll also find equally, let me emphasize, as talented people that you may not know. And I think that in of itself also is very telling because I wanted this whole idea of this company to really stand for inclusivity too. I don't want it just to be a group of people that are the top no well-named, you know, best known bartenders. I, I right. very much admire, I very much admire those people and they're, they're huge value to what I'm doing, but I also want to provide a vehicle for the people that are, as I just said, that are equally as talented that maybe don't have that same visibility. That's right. And so I think, I think it's not only, you know, the small, I think it is working with small brands and, and, you know, up and coming portfolios and stuff like that. But I also think when you think about the experts, sure, the individuals. Just, just have exactly just having this kind of collective group of people that are so varied in terms of where they come from and what they're 
backgrounds are. I mean, you talked about how important, you know, in education is versus all these other things. I mean, we have people in the group that have the most proper training backgrounds, right? And then we have people that are equally as successful that came from Red Lobster and they were bartenders at TJI Fridays. And so it, it really kind of in of itself, it speaks to the need to really look and evaluate at what these relationships are with brands, how that whole kind of interaction happens, but also who are we deeming as talent? Sure. And taking a little bit more of an of a analytical look at it moving forward. I love that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of industry experts out there that want to be experts and help others. Like, they'd be willing to spend time helping either other small companies, individuals, or, or whatnot, and, and aren't really asked to do that or don't have an outlet for that. And so what, I think that's such a great idea for for what this can offer um when i checked out your site and and some of the things that you guys say you're doing you guys can all check it out the industry collective.org um talk about some of the i'll call it services but more it's more of like the types of things that you guys do and how it started you know like what were the initial things and has it grown into other things Absolutely. So it's been interesting because in full transparency, I didn't necessarily put myself in the equation. Um, the <laughs> well, running joke is that here <laughs> I am. Right. Um, the running joke was that, you know, I didn't even put myself in my own pitch deck. Uh, <laughs> with, kind of funny. <laughs> Especially given your background. It's not like you didn't have any experience in this. Space. Oh, right. So exactly. I mean, exactly. So, so, I mean, what's happened subsequently has been pretty interesting. So we started the business, um, I started the business this past year. Uh, timing never works. My mom it was was not. Uh, my mom was sick for a bit, and so uh, I decided to start this at the most like inopportune time, right? Sure. And so, <laughs> so I was kind of balancing a lot. But the idea, really, being that I was thinking that at the beginning we would be able to just start right off the bat with working with all these different experts. And and that's obviously come in due time. But what's happened is actually I've been integrated into the fold. And so some of the clients that we have on board um, with, you know, include Goat Rodeo Capital, as you mentioned, and Speakeasy Co., uh, which is a fantastic platform. Beatbox. They've been on the podcast. That was, that was one of our great episodes of they're fantastic. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so in in theory, it really started with me in terms of forging, as we talked about, the client relationship and creating that partnership with these people. And it's really kind of evolved from there, honestly, because you know I've been fortunate to really truly enjoy working with all these people who have subsequently you know referred us sure. to more people, and that. I guess that was the only thing that I'm thinking as part of the original idea that I didn't take into account, and I'm just being transparent, is that I I didn't factor in the kind of that need to create that initial fostering relationship with me in particular as being the CEO and the founder prior to then the floodgates open. And so now kind of that type of work that we do across like what the entire collective is capable of has, you know, really evolved from there. But, you know, my services have been specific to I do a lot of work in thought leadership and executive visibility, um, specifically meaning what do these executives look like externally? So whether it be a social media post or thought leadership content on LinkedIn, or do they engage with movers and shakers on these platforms? Are they dressed in you know, their shorts and holding a Bud Light in their hand, or are they (laughs) wearing their tuxedo from when they were married? And so I I really look holistically at at a lot of the current clients that we have on board and say, 
here's what I suggest in terms of presence, presence from a, a conference perspective, presence from a PR perspective, presence on social. And then through that work, we started doing more brand strategy. And then now we're really expanding to do virtually all, I mean, the, the, the kind of the abilities as to what the, the, the collective can do are kind of endless, given the fact that we don't really want to be a service-driven company. We want sure. to be a company, a group, a, like a drink think tank of experts that can really plug and play strategically based on the need case of the business at hand. So now that I've created those inroads, now really the opportunities are, as I said, kind of endless because there's just so many things that these companies will need from, you know, helping with the sustainability program. And we have the team from Trash Tiki in my company and Claire Sprouse, <laughs> who's one of the most fantastic leaders in, in sustainability at the moment, um, you know, or thinking through a really strong diversity and inclusion program. And again, we have incredible leaders in the trade advocacy space. So I hope I answered your question. Yeah, it, totally. You know, it, start, it started with me. I and, love that. And now and it's, it's really, it's, it's really evolved. So, okay. Right. So, so talk about how it works. So is it you reaching out to new companies, brands, people, or is it, are they reaching out to you? Like what's the, what's the connection point look like? Like how does the model work? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's a it's a combo platter, to be honest. I think that we've been fortunate to, as I mentioned just a little bit earlier, um, already starting to do very good work with these companies. So the what I heard in, a, I think it was a Harvard Business, I, I love IdeaCast, uh, Harvard sure. Business Podcast. And what they said recently around creating a new company was interesting was, before you start trying to just take on, you know, massive amounts of new business, there's no problem in taking on new business, but what you should focus on first, at least for the first few months is really to focus on what you have and then go from Interesting. there. So versus just casting a really wide net. Right. And not shit. being able to do, do good shit, deliver. Right. right. Exactly. Part, you know, again, as I said, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm going to curse. If, sorry, apologies. But <laughs> Bring I think, it. I think <laughs> it just comes out sometimes. I come from a sailing family. I'm from New Jersey. Sailing it's family. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, you so so to answer your question, it's a bit of a combination. I've proactively reached out to people. So Future Proof, for example, is a company I proactively reached out to Amy. And Amy is the founder and COO of Future Proof, which is a company, as you mentioned, that's been on your podcast, Fire. Yep. She She's just incredible. She's doing amazing things. And I reached out on LinkedIn and she subsequently looped me in with her team. And, um, and then other ones I've been referred to. So it's really, and then, you know, within the collective, all of these people, as you can imagine, have such incredible relationships. So I very much advocate for people to bring any and all opportunities our way because we're not at the point where we would ever turn anything down. And I don't think we would ever do that. I think we would always try to figure out a way if we truly want to work with a brand to make it work in sure. some way, shape or form. Sure. Wow. Now tell me how do, how do your quote unquote advisors slash members of the collective help? How do they participate? It's really case by case. Um, everyone that I've brought into the collective, I call them very autonomous experts. So <laughs> for them, <laughs> for them, right. It's all, you know, I'm a marketeer. Heart, I love but it. No, yes. they, <laughs> they, they all have their own jobs and their own businesses. So it's been really nice because 
I've they've given me the the autonomy and the runway to really take some time to try to figure out how to strategically get clients on board and figure this out and start a company amidst a global pandemic. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've been very fortunate where they have, you know, they're all you know, already so successful in their own right. So it's really dependent on on the situation. Honestly, there are different topics that, you know, such as sustainability and inclusivity, um, where we have we have some honestly some of the world's top leaders in this group focus on that as their primary day job. So they're organically kind of drawn to help with different initiatives, whether they be with brands or something internal, given that, right? And then we have people that let's say, you know, it's we have the first female beer cicerone ever oh, in, in new wow. york she's in our i know very fancy what is a beer she's in our cicerone group. what does that mean from what i've been told it's similar to a what it's similar to a wine sommelier, <laughs> a sommelier. For beer. that's right exactly got right. it okay um, wow that's so she cool. for example oh it's so cool um so she for example doesn't necessarily do anything in the drinking responsible space per se, but she's always been very passionate around responsible consumption. So she may put her hand, you know, up for opportunities like that, where there may be a Got campaign it. in order. So it really depends. And the nice thing too, is that I, I don't also push anything on any of these people. I'm very cognizant of everyone's bandwidth. So really the only projects that they take on are the ones that they proactively want to be involved in. And I think that really does change the whole script because you know for most jobs and you know you're kind of you're kind of forced to do whatever is put on your plate so whereas true. there is this where is this there is this nicety of i mean i would love to work on a tiki campaign you know so it gives them <laughs> totally. the, but but yeah so it just it makes it a little bit more freeing for them to know that i'm not putting them forth for anything unless they proactively after we discuss an opportunity decide that that is something that they have the time and the interest in doing got it and then what does the revenue model look like um, it really depends too on that. I mean, for right now, we've been working on retainer with different companies. Got it. Um, obviously, it'll depend on the size of the company. And then we're working through actually different project based work too. So we're not stuck necessarily on one way of working when it comes to that. I think we're definitely figuring it out as we go in the sense that we are working, you know, amidst a pandemic and we really want to start those relationships with companies and then really develop them from there. So every single relationship and client that we have has been very much case by case. And I've done that. I've done that in a way in which we all feel comfortable. And I think as we continue to scale, we will streamline that. But I sure. felt like it's worked best for now to really just focus on each individual client their need case and then figure out what's the most comfortable for everyone involved from there. Hmm, that's pretty awesome. Um, I always like to ask our guests, like what have been like one or two of the biggest lessons learned in getting uh, your business started. And I'd love to hear yours, especially um, as you've been kind of building this, you built this initially on the side. Now it's getting, you know, getting good momentum and going, but what's been your experience thus far? What have been the biggest lessons learned? I think really what I mentioned earlier, which is just that I've always been, I've been the connector, I would say. I've I've worked for, I've been fortunate to work for so many incredible executives across the space. I have so many amazing female and male mentors. I think figuring out how as a founder and CEO to 
incorporate yourself into the fold, but to do it in a way that feels comfortable. Got it. And for me, I've always been, I've always been the one behind the scenes, but I think through starting my own business, it's become more apparent that not only are people looking to me in terms of, you know, who to put forth for projects or what we should be doing, but I still am, you know, needed very much in the forefront of this. And I don't foresee that really changing. I think that that may evolve as we go, but I think that's been really the biggest learning for me. And I think the other interesting takeaway has been that you have such a horrific thing happen where, you know, the global pandemic has virtually affected every business, every person in some way, shape or form. And you have these people that, quite frankly, a lot of them lost their jobs. Most of them have lost their bars. And you're asking them to take time out of when they really could be and should be focusing on figuring out how the heck to pay their bills at the end of the day and help you start a business. And I just feel so grateful. So it felt to me like it's this weird moment in time, right, where you know, there a lot of the people that I've been trying to get involved in this and commissioning in this business had their own had their own problems and their own issues going on. And they could have easily just said to me, look, get where you're going with this, but really don't have the, the bandwidth or the capacity. And there has been just such a beauty in the and I would say the understanding on both ends, the Got understanding it. on my end as a business owner where I actually had months where we didn't we we didn't have our monthly calls, for example. Sure. It didn't feel right. And on their end, you know, they are very understanding of everything that I'm trying to do to build this business given all the circumstances. So I think those would be my two biggest takeaways. Yeah. And then pile that onto the whole relationship, the importance of relationships that you started with earlier in the podcast. I totally agree. Um, share with our audience where they can learn more. How do they connect? How do they figure out how to get involved? How do they reach out to you and, and your industry collective? Well, we would love to hear from all of you, uh, whether you're an expert and you'd be interested in helping with the collective, help it grow. Um, If you're a brand, we'd love to hear from you. So the easiest way to get in touch, I know you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, would be to visit us on our website, theindustrycollective.org. We also have um, an Instagram hello at the Industry Collective. And also, feel free to email. We have an email address, hello at theindustrycollective.org. I seem to be very much in the marketing <laughs> marketing it. background, trying to consistent <laughs> keep all of my handles consistent. But um, yeah, we are we are very much at the you know obviously at the kind of the the forefront of what's to come with the business, and so we we are open to you know any and all discussions and would love to to hear from all of you. So That's awesome. I thank you so much for this opportunity. This has oh, been totally. fantastic. Well, I mean, like I, like we talked about earlier, I'm looking forward to, I mean, for sure, staying in touch and um, working with you and your team and then some of your clients and look forward to having them on the show. And um, so it's been great. I'm so glad you reached out. It's the start of a lot of great things. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. 
This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.